Norman Ladner was just 17 years old in 1989 when he went missing on his family's farm. Investigators would later find him lying in the woods on the outskirts of the property. His life had been ended with a single shot to the head. The problem is, police can't seem to agree on how this could have happened. At first, it seemed that the crime scene investigators felt that the boy had been the victim of foul play. Then, they claimed it was merely an accident. Finally, they suggested that the boy had taken his own life after battling with depression. So what exactly happened to Norman Ladner, and who's responsible? Sorry for the odd backdrop today, I don't have access to my normal set, so this is what we got to deal with, but that's okay. What's really odd about this case is that there is very little information to go on. Even though investigators appeared in various interviews and detectives have been quite open about the investigation, there remain very few details regarding Norman Ladner's case. So far, the only reliable source of information I've been able to find has been an Unsolved Mysteries episode from the 1990s, so that's where a lot of this information will be coming from. 17-year-old Norman Ladner was your average teenager who grew up in the 80s. His parents owned a country store in Picayune, Mississippi, as well as a large plot of farmland. It seems the family used this land mostly for hunting and exploring, which was perfect for Norman, as he had a great love of the outdoors. According to his father, Norman knew the property like the back of his hand and would often spend hours wandering around the 122-acre lot simply exploring. Norman was also known for being quite popular in his high school. He had lots of friends and no known enemies. On August 21st, 1989, Norman came home from school and spent the afternoon wandering around the family's property as usual. His father says that he would often come back to the house around 7 or 7.30 for dinner. However, on this particular day, he never showed up. As time continued to pass by, Norman's father got worried and headed out to look for him. As he made his way around the property, he spotted something in the distance. As he grew closer, he found his son lying on the ground. It became clear to him quite quickly that his son had lost his life. Norman Ladner Sr. knelt down by his son and felt of him, finding that he was unusually cold, meaning he'd been lying here for quite some time. Norman Sr. recalled that day and said, quote, It's a deep shock and tragedy to find your own son dead, because you could never imagine or think of how this could have happened until you've experienced it, gone through it. His father quickly realized that a single shot to the head had claimed his son's life. Detectives wouldn't arrive until 10 p.m. that evening. They roped off the area and began their investigation. From the very beginning, the Pearl River County Sheriff's Office said that they never suspected a crime had taken place. Lawrence Lumpkin, the county sheriff at the time, said, Foul play is the first thing that I normally address in the course of an investigation. I ruled it out in this instance because I saw nothing there that indicated that. At first, I thought it might have been an accident. It looked as though he might have been in a tree nearby and subsequently fallen out of the tree and the gun discharged. Norman's father would say that he was visited by the coroner a short time later after his son's body had been examined. The coroner claimed that he believed with 90% certainty that Norman Ladner's death had been accidental. He found no evidence that the boy had been attacked in any other way, nor any signs of trauma or bruising. However, this ruling would only last for a short while. When the family received the official death certificate for their son, 
They were shocked to find that his manner of death had been changed from accidental to suicide. Norman Sr. says that there is no chance his son claimed his own life. Contrary to what crime scene detectives claim, Norman Sr. claims that his son was not depressed whatsoever and was quite happy with his life. He said that he always lived life to the fullest and was a very outgoing person. Norman Sr. continued and said that he was disappointed with how crime scene investigators had handled the situation. He claims that Picayune police never bothered to pull fingerprints from the weapon that was found near Norman's body, nor did they ever bother locating the bullet from the crime scene. There were various other issues with the case as well. According to Norman Sr., his son's wallet had $140 in it, but all of that money was now missing. He also had a one-inch cut on the top of his head. Special agents blamed this cut on a tree root that was found nearby that had been stained with blood. However, Norman Sr. says that he doesn't understand how a wound like this would make sense in this case, as it would provide evidence that Norman must have fallen out of the tree straight down onto the top of his head, a crime scene that simply didn't add up with what forensic evidence the police had gathered. Norman's parents decided to take the investigation into their own hands. Considering the angle of the wound that Norman had received, they were determined that the bullet must have been lodged in the ground nearby. They decided to dig up the ground near where Norman's body was located, and before long, they uncovered the crime scene evidence they had been looking for. After combing through every square inch of the dirt pulled from the crime scene, they found a single round that appeared to be covered in a small amount of blood and a single human hair. The only problem was that this round was far too long to have been fired from the weapon found near Norman Jr. The sheriff claims that this evidence doesn't add up with what they had discovered that day. They say that they confirmed Norman must have been standing when his life was ended, but the round recovered by his parents would suggest he had been sitting or lying down based on the trajectory. The Ladners eventually turned over the round that they had discovered to the local ballistics expert. A forensic analysis was conducted, but the results were inconclusive. Norman's parents say that when the item was returned to them later on, it wasn't the same one that they had handed in several days ago, suggesting that the police were attempting to cover up this unsolved mystery. But this is where the case takes a seriously dark turn that most of us probably were not expecting. Norman's parents say that they went to the local coroner's office to question the ruling of their son's death. However, when they were in the middle of their conversation with the coroner, an unidentified man interrupted them and firmly said, Mrs. Ladner, don't open this case up. You have other children. I suggest you raise them for your own good. You'll never find the person that killed your son. The man then left without another word. What's truly strange about this claim is that if the man was somehow involved in the investigation, and it certainly seems like he was, then he clearly stated that the Ladners will never find out who killed their son, obviously suggesting that this man knew that their son was killed rather than him having taken his own life. However, this case would throw one final curveball before reaching a twist ending that was completely unexpected. When Mr. Ladner returned home, he continued to refuse to accept the official ruling of crime scene investigators. He went back to the scene of the crime once again and conducted a much more thorough investigation. About 300 yards away, he came across a small electronic device that he didn't recognize. He contacted the Picayune Sheriff about this discovery, but they claimed that it was irrelevant to the crime that had taken place. Mr. Ladner then took the device to his neighbor, who seemed to vaguely recognize it. 
he suggested that Mr. Ladner get in touch with the local agent who used to work for the DEA. So that's exactly what he did. When he spoke with the man about the device, the former DEA agent said that the device looked strikingly similar to a device that would be used by local cartels to signal airplanes or helicopters to drop shipments of illegal goods. As the planes would fly overhead, the device would send a signal out to instruct the pilot to release the cargo. With this in mind, Norman Sr. now believes that his son may have had his life ended by cartel members who he'd crossed paths with in the woods that day as they were known to be quite active in the area. In fact, if the local police happened to be involved with these cartels, it may perfectly explain why they refused to investigate the situation any further. We all know that many police departments are astoundingly corrupt, and Mississippi officers are certainly no exception. So with all of this in mind, I'm going to pass the question off to you. What do you think happened to Norman Ladner? Personally, I tend to think his parents were probably onto something with the whole drug cartel thing. Now, I don't personally know really anything about the Pearl River County Sheriff's Office, but I do live very close to this area, and I can tell you without a doubt that there is certainly some corruption going on within the local police departments. So it wouldn't be too much of a stretch to assume that maybe these cartel members were somehow in cahoots with the local police. And that would absolutely explain why the police were just so adamant about not investigating the case any further. But with that said, let me know what you think. Norman's father ended his time with unsolved mysteries by saying, quote, We will not stop this investigation no matter what until it is finished. We owe it to our son and we owe it to our children. But that's the video for today, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to hit that like button. If you loved it, maybe consider sharing, subscribing, or clicking that blue join button below to really show your support for the channel. But my name is Ty Knotts. You guys have been lovely, and I'll catch you in the next video.